Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Football is many things. Unpredictable, exciting, colourful, passionate, absorbing, expensive. Venal, infuriating, exasperating, time-consuming, depressing. But one thing it most certainly is not is a level playing field. Welcome to the famous sloping pitch. So a week is a long time in politics. Three weeks is an incredibly long time in football. Mid-table Mikel two weeks ago and now the saviour of the Emirates. Nuno Espirito Santo, the Holy Ghost of White Hart Lane. Now his job is on the line. It's just ridiculous. The two imposters, triumphant disaster coming up once again. <laughs> and treat them the same. Yeah, treat yeah. them the same. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, before we get stuck into the latest from the glamorous and exciting world of football, it's time for another chilling reality check from the dimly lit basement with a broken lift that doubles as a toilet that is the very bottom of EFL 2. Yes, Oldham Athletics still propping up the entire 92 club despite an encouraging win, the local derby with Rochdale last Saturday. But now we're and now we're only bottom on goal difference. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, it's a step forward. Yeah. Small steps, baby steps. Yeah. And a great goal in this one and a first clean sheet. At, 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 Ever. At, at all. Yeah. <laughs> in living memory, thanks to a highly effective debut from centre-back Harrison Maguire. Now, we've had Maguire since the summer, but haven't been able to play him because our owner, the clown, signed him on a two-year contract, even though we're under an EFL embargo and can't sign anyone for longer than a season. <laughs> Same thing happened with our new keeper. The guy just didn't read the rules. Yeah, yeah. How's that confusing? You can only be yeah. for one year. One year? Yeah. Well, we'll sign you on a two-year deal, mate. I yeah. mean, he was, he was too busy honking the horn on his collapsible jalopy. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that's really frustrating, of course, is, as we well know, the, 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 the concentration on the Premier League all the time. And you expect it, don't you, from the Sunday Times? Because, of course, it's a Murdoch newspaper. Yeah. But they do have a football football league roundup, a football league focus. Now, listen to this. OK. OK. Ben Britton scored a hat-trick as Blackburn Rovers thrashed Cardiff City 5-1 at Ewood Park. Having scored twice in the first half, the striker completed his treble with a last-minute penalty. Sam Gallagher had given the host the lead. Therese Dolan made it 4-0 in the 53rd 
23rd minute before Sean Morrison headed in for the visitors. Fulham lost ground on the leaders after being held 1-1 away to Bristol City. Alexander Mitrovic fired the visitors in front, but the substitute Casey Palmer equalised 11 minutes from time. Birmingham City and Preston North End played out a goalless draw at St Andrews. Now, what is the difference between that and just looking at the fucking results? <laughs> All it does is tell you who scored and at what time. <laughs> so anyway. anyway. Apart from Oldham's win, it was also encouraging to listen to the commentary on the club's iFollow, which is what I was doing, mm-hmm. because they had an injured player, Sam Hart, alongside the two usual one-eyed jokers, and he abandoned all pretense at impartiality and kept going, Go on, Devo! <laughs> that's it, Hal! <laughs> which oddly made me feel like there was a bit of togetherness in the squad, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it made yeah. me feel like they were on each other's side, which is heartening, because I also watched this week an interview with David Wheater, our former captain, on a thing called Under the Cosh, about his time at Oldham, which sounded like a horrific nightmare. He fell out with the owner, who it seems went back on a deal to top up his furlough payments from the government during the pandemic, and as the skipper, he was a spokesman for all the players, so he bore the brunt of it, and he found himself exiled to train with the youths, despite being head and shoulders above them all. I mean, we do seem to have remarkably short youths. Whenever one breaks through, they always seem to be five foot two. You know, I think all the taller kids end up at City or United. That must be a nutrition thing. I don't know. I think it's just that the the scouts go, you're a good son, but you're just not tall enough. And then they end up at Oldham. Isn't isn't that what happened to Scott McTominay? They they decided that they weren't going to renew him and make him a full professional. And so he went away for the summer. He came back, he was called in to be sacked, to be told (laughs) he was never going to make it. And he'd grown two foot. He came in in through the door and he went, oh... Uh, just wait outside for a minute when you yeah. got came Mind, back in yeah. off the contract Mind the door jam on your way out <laughs> yeah, yeah. anyway Wheater got sent to play a match with the kids the 14 year old kids even though he was never obviously going to be eligible to actually play but they were just putting him in his place you know <laughs> and they had this tiny kids kit for him which he said was like a boob tube and no, hot yeah, no. yeah, yeah. and he had to go up to the referee and say I'm not going to be allowed to play am I look at me <laughs> and presumably but, he'd have to use a different changing room as well yeah, yeah. And, but all the while the owner's giving interviews saying he's injured Wheater and it just sounds the most like the most remarkable way for grown men to behave, you know. And this is just something that I heard this morning, quite by chance, listening to Sky Sports News, which makes me sound a very, very sad person, <laughs> and I am. But this is just, I want to call this some perspective, please. So David James was on this morning, and they were talking to him about Liverpool, and they said, you know, where would you pick? Would you, would you have Diego Jota or Roberto Firmino? And he went, well, that's Sophie's choice, isn't it, really? And you think, no, it isn't. That's no, not selfish choice no, at all. It's, it's just, yeah, pick, pick one footballer over another. Yeah, yeah, it's nothing to do with selfish choice. They do slightly different things. Yeah. Anyway, no, they, this led Harrison McGuire, who was like a new player for us, played his second game for us on Tuesday night, and they made him captain. And, of course, he scored an own goal, didn't he? You know, because football's a fickle mistress, etc. Shrug, shrug, you know. <laughs> and our game against Leeds, under-21s, in the Papa John's Trophy, drew Oldham's lowest crowd in their history. 732, I mean, it's partly a boycott of the, of the club, partly a boycott of the stupid trophy and its sneaky attempt to get us used to playing B-teams of Premier League clubs. But actually, the lowest, cl- the lowest crowd that Oldham have played in front of was in the Anglo-Italian Cup in the mid-90s, you remember? And we, you were there. Yeah, I, I went to that, and we went on a, on a jolly, remember, uh, to yeah. Italy together. Yes, we did. And you went to a Stoke... You were going to, we were going to go to a Stoke game. And Reggiana. I and we went, we went to Florence, didn't we? Because my wife, Susan, came with us, and she yeah. wanted to go to Florence because she was a sculptor and wanted yeah, to see yeah. all those things. And then we set off and went off to our game in Genoa, and when we got there to check into our hotel, found that they'd, st- they'd put your passport inside mine, so I had your 
passport. Yeah. And so you were, you were kind of stranded, weren't you, when you, yeah, yeah, when you eventually got up. Yeah. And we, we were trying to work out how we could let you know. And we sent a message. We got, we got the, the hotel guy to ring the ground at Reggiana, where you were yeah. going. And do a message over the tannoy saying, Mr. Hancock, your friend has your passport. Kind of thing. Right. Except that your train was stuck in a snowdrift and the game was snowed off. Yeah. And did you not get this message given to you by Lou McCarry? Lou McCarry actually <laughs> told me that I'd left my passport behind, which is great for me, I have to say. It was a lovely thing to find out. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, Champions League is back um, yeah. this week. Well, yeah, yeah, it is. And it's hard, isn't it, to get worked up about the uh, oh, group stages of God, the Champions League? So it is. So it is. It's, uh, but, you know, Man City and Chelsea lost. That means they've only got four games to put it right. It's a disaster. Yeah. Well, and Manchester United very nearly lost Very again. nearly lost. They were, they were and Messi trouble. scored and Ronaldo scored, blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah. Ronaldo apparently scored his 136th Champions League goal on Tuesday. Did and honestly, I'm not sure I can remember. I can barely remember the one from last night. Yeah. You know, it's like they're all... You know, weightless somehow. You well, know, it, it, the whole thing is it's terrible. I remember in 1978, and yes, this is an old man talking about it, 1978, um, when New, uh, Nottingham Forest was 77-78, mm. Nottingham Forest were drawn against Liverpool yeah, yeah. in the first round. This is a knockout competition, which is what it should be. And it was the champions and the reigning European Cup holders, OK? And it was really unlikely that this could happen. And it was a massive game. But now you get finals of Spurs v Liverpool, Chelsea v Man City, and it just takes away from the whole thing. It's well, all, it does. It's I mean, either an elite competition or it isn't. Or it's, it's, either, isn't. it's either the Olympic 1500 metres or it's a fun run. It can't be both things. Yeah, well, I remember that very vividly, that Forest Liverpool game in 1978. I remember Gary Birtle scored, didn't he? And he was a, and he Colin was a, Barrett. And he was like a new, a new kid on the block. Yeah. And I remember that so vividly. And yet Ronaldo has apparently scored 136 goals and I can't remember any of them. No. And it's like one Gary Birtle's goal is, is like worth more than 136 Ronaldo goals. And I think I'm sure Nottingham Forest fans would, would agree with that. <laughs> yeah, <but laughs> you know, that they, did a docu- you know they, they did a famous documentary, obviously, about Clough's time at Forest. And they interviewed Colin Barrett about his goal because he was a fullback, didn't score very many goals. And it was a cracking goal. And he said, he came onto this documentary, they showed him the goal. He said, that's the first time I I've seen it since that night because my wife taped Dallas over the top of it, <laughs> which is very, very pleasing. Well, you know, there's, there's still a future apparently in which, you know, the, the all the elite teams will be just playing playing each other yeah. in their European Super League. That's apparently not dead. No, we're no, learning this week. I mean, for for, for you know for some time it seemed a bit crazy, hasn't it, that Barcelona and Real Madrid and Juventus have refused to give up on the idea yeah. of the European Super League, even though the other nine clubs who are apparently yeah. going to do it in April, including six English ones, they've all pulled out. Apparently, a court in Madrid this week effectively put a block on UEFA from punishing the, the clubs on the basis that doing so would breach European competition yeah. law. Yeah. And UEFA have complained about the judge calling for him to recuse himself, hinting that he's an interested party somehow. This is from Madrid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if this is upheld by further courts further down the European Court of Justice, it will undermine UEFA's whole standing as the only arbiters of what competitions can take place in Europe and in the meantime these Super League clubs all the original suspects they're all still members of the company that's set up to launch it and they're rumoured to be like just tinkering with their proposal and they they think the element that that stuck in people's craw was that it was a closed shop that you couldn't you know no promotion or relegation so they're trying to make it sort of open you know good luck with that yeah I think it'd be brilliant though if they let 
uh, Juventus, Real Madrid and Barcelona have a breakaway league <laughs> just the three of them the three and of then them. it would be like that derby that they have on Jersey which Football Focus covers about every <laughs> ten years because it's always the same two teams well you know the way, the way Real Madrid and Barcelona are going it's the only way they're going to qualify for anything yeah. isn't it they, well, and you look at the viewing figures 35% down over the, uh, two years ago uh, league attendances in midweek go down as well so presumably the only people watching are people who support league clubs yeah. and the actual attendances in the grounds are not very good either well that was two weeks ago wasn't it that was um, Guardiola complaining about the, the empty hat they were calling it they? and there was still a lot of <laughs> they? there was still a lot of people there <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. but thousands of empty seats at Man City in the in the first the first well, and they've, they've got this thing called the, the Swiss is it called the Swiss system which they're going to bring in which is going to mean even more games between the same clubs all over again very easy to understand the European Cup. The champions of each division mm. will be in a knockout cup competition and the winners will be the champions of Europe. Hey, you Re- know what? That sounds good. Really easy to understand. Champions League now, awful to understand. Champions League under the Swiss system, incredibly difficult <laughs> and, and impossible is the Europa League and the Conference League, which has 184 teams in it. It's, it's like more <laughs> is always better. They're, these people at, at feet from you, they're, they're like Mr. Creosote. Just one more wafer thin mint <laughs> is what they want. Well, yes, I mean, the criteria always seems to be how many, you know, how many games can each club play before they, they're forced to leave the competition. Yeah. And they, the aim is to get them all to play 10 before before anyone gets knocked out. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. And, and that's just not how you organize that's not how you organize sport yeah. I'm afraid no. you know there needs to be there needs to be a cliff edge you know there needs to be oh if, if you uh, don't score in the next five minutes you're out yeah. jeopardy well yeah they, they did that to Manchester United they try so hard to keep them in I reckon on, on Wednesday they actually said to them look we've done everything we've, we've made the competition so easy for you to go through we're going to give you five more minutes five more minutes <laughs> and that's your lot then, and that's your lot. then bed then it's bed <laughs> <laughs> well yeah United are interesting from the week can just gone as well, aren't they? Because Oli Gunnar Solskjaer is because seems to be losing the plot a little, doesn't he, ever so slightly? I mean, they're still right up there, of course, and they could go top on Saturday. But in the recent weeks, they've lost to Young Boys, they've lost to West Ham in the League Cup, and then against Villa, they had this last-minute penalty, didn't they, to equalise, which yeah, yeah. Fernandez booted Chris Waddle-style into orbit. Yeah. And afterwards, Solskjaer was complaining that the Villa players had put Fernandez off. I mean, how is that a good idea to say that? Uh-uh. I mean, players always do it, don't they? They slide sort of kick up the penalty spot or take it in turns to shove and bustle the kicker and, and take forever to stop arguing the toss with the referee. Yeah, I mean, yeah. always, they always do that. I mean, how is it a good idea to say that your player can be put off by that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, <clears throat> how is Fernandez ever going to, going to have a, 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 an easy ride at the penalty spot ever again? And to come back to the Arsenal and Tottenham thing where they've already decided what's going to happen this season for each team and changed their yeah, minds yeah. once... If Brighton had won on Monday, they'd have been top. They would have. But they wouldn't have been ending their season, would they? No, no, because they'd have, they would just have been having a, a happy little holiday yes, over the top. Yes, a happy and little. If they, yeah, but if they'd beaten Palace in the Eagle Seagull derby, then they'd have been top. <laughs> and this riot, that rivalry, that's a, such an odd one, isn't it? I mean, they're miles apart. It's not, so not really a local derby. Yeah. But in Kevin, our friend Kevin Day, in his book, Who Are You?, tells how they were just, you know, Brighton were just another club to Paris for decades in the same divisions until the 70s when Mullery was, Alan Mullery was the Brighton boss. 
and Terry Venables was in charge of Palace, and they hated each other apparently from when they were at Spurs. Both thought that Spurs should have built the team around them, and the players took that needle on, and then so did the fans. And there was a there was a notable sort of three match FA Cup tie in, when you could do that back yeah. in the late seventies. And and when uh, Brighton lost, Mullery went and threw coins at the Palace impenetrably threw coins at the Palace fans and then the press interview tore up a fiver saying that that was all Palace and their fans were worth how bizarre really bizarre and Palace fans were chanting eagles in in a game and Brighton fans started retorting seagulls back changing it to seagulls which wasn't their nickname at the time but then they adopted it as their nickname and stuck it on the badge and apparently they used to have a lovely dolphin apparently they have a nickname that's purely based on spite on spite there should be more of that yeah, but think think of the the glorious eagle as your as your <laughs> as your um, mascot, you know. Yeah. And and the seagull, the chip nicking rat of the sea. Yeah, well, well, well. <laughs> but uh, talking about derbies, I mean, last week when when Tottenham played at Palace, they said it was a derby, and I'm thinking yeah. that's not a derby. And then this week they've come up with the moneyball derby. The moneyball derby. Yeah. Well, speaking of derbies, it's a bit of a stretch, you know. Yeah. Um, but it was in, it was really interesting to watch Brentford Liverpool, having you know just been there a few days before watching Brentford thrash Oldham, of course. But it was a great game for Brentford Liverpool. Yeah, it was great. And intriguing to see it described in the paper as the Moneyball derby. Because coincidentally, um, before I saw that, I'd, wa- I'd watched Moneyball again just last week, which is a great film, I think. Yeah. Written by Aaron Sorkin, who's a genius, and another guy I don't really know much about, but he's the one I relate to more. Yeah. And, <laughs> but the whole, the whole uh, Moneyball idea is that players have a value that can be measured statistically, yeah. of course. Yeah. And particularly in baseball, uh, which is much more stop-start than football. Yeah. But in football, too, it, evidently, you can look at these things in minute detail. And we're seeing this more and more in football, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. You know, started with assists... Yeah. I think becoming a thing, a which feels completion. To, it feels to, yeah, but it feels to me like that was invented for fantasy football assists. So it's yeah, something yeah, you yeah, give points for. Yeah, it was yeah. not just a goal. But now, when a player comes off, you can immediately see their stats for you know, distance covered and tackles and dribbles and key passes and their ranking for each of these things yeah, yeah, yeah. within the context of that game. And the most impenetrable at all of all is uh, XG. Expected goals. I've still not. Got no, that is I bizarre. just haven't got that. That is that. bizarre. I, I I looked at some of these things. I was thinking, sort of, in the way that our, our scouts used to look at players. If you could yeah, translate yeah. them, so they're, they're called key performance indicators, is what they're called. Yeah, yeah. And there's physiological, uh, tactical, technical defending, technical attacking, and psychological. Okay, so basically, physiological. He's a big lad. <laughs> tactical. He's a big lad who understands the offside law. Yes. Technical defending. He's a big lad who is afraid of a tackle or the offside law <laughs> technical attacking he's got a good touch for a big lad psychological <laughs> he's a big lad but he's no Stuart Pierce. it's just the well, same thing well that's the thing isn't it the, the, uh, the statistical um, assessment of a player is, is what it's going up against is the old style traditional um, coach's eye you know a, a yes. scout rather yeah, our, yeah, our yeah. eye for a player yeah. and th- that always seems to be some of yeah, yeah you're good son but you're just not tall enough like we said before yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But apparently the two teams who are most enthusiastic about using stats in their recruitment yeah. are Brentford and Liverpool. And there's a connection there. And the Liverpool yeah. lads went up to uh, to Smart Odds, which is the Brentford owner Matthew Benham's company, yeah. which which specialises in, in, in producing statistical research and sports modelling services for, for professional gamblers mostly, but also for uh, for football clubs. Yeah. And using using data to predict outcomes and so on, trying to find where the unexpected... Uh, I guess that the other bet that the betting companies yeah. haven't spotted. So yeah. marginal gains, basically, is what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and uh, but they went. Benham went went all in on on this approach 
for Brentford and scrapped their £2 million academy and created a B team that plays friendlies against Bayern Munich under-19s and similar. Yeah. You know, and the traditional thinking is appalled by this, but you, know, you don't have an academy, you don't have what, you don't have a But reserves. it works, it But it works, yeah. And an impressive number of their B team have made it into the first team. And Brentford have become a, a trading team. And the trick is to keep performance at a high enough level with a, with a turnover of star players, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. And, you know, in 2019-20, they got to the playoff final with their fa- with what was at the time a very famous BMW attack, which got which was uh, Ben Rama, Mbomo and Watkins. And they lost Ben Rama to West Ham, they lost Watkins to Villa, but managed to replace that goal threat with Ivan Tony, yeah, yeah, yeah. who they got for just five million from Peterborough. And he'd been at Newcastle and he'd been around the leagues, he'd been loaned around the leagues and no one had really taken a chance on him. And he scored 33 goals last season. Yeah. And now he looks like a player who could, who could go into any. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, the thing about money, just two things about Moneyball very quickly. Moneyball is great unless everybody does it, in which case then it's still going to be the richest teams that are the best. That's mm. one thing. And the other thing is, does it mean the end of a sort of dubious man on the sideline going, hey... The kid can play. <laughs> hey, I like, hope not. Like Bobby Robson winding his uh, window down in that advert, you remember, years yeah, ago. Yes. Not but, bad nipper. Scott, and wasn't it Scott Parker who was the nipper? Oh, I, 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 I don't know about that. I, I think, think it was. I think, I think you're think, conflating two adverts. Well, I'm very happy. I, it may even just be a lie, but I'm happy to put it out there. Don't you worry about well, that. I'm, I'm also I'm equally happy to put untruth out there. <laughs> well, right. And this, this is not just recruitment, is it? This philosophy of marginal gains. Um, and much has been made of... Uh, Liverpool having a throw-in coach, yes, you know, have a specialist, and he's Thomas Gronemark, and he came from Brentford. You know, that, you that's go. where they got him from. Mm-hmm. So you know, there's a, there's a below recruitment. There's also this this uh, trying to find the a tiniest edge. You've, you know? got, you've got to think that somewhere in these clubs, somewhere they may not ever say it. There's a diving coach and <laughs> and a time wasting coach. There must be. They're massive parts of the game. How can they not be coached in it? Well, there I guess must, they be. must be. Yeah. yeah. Now there, there's one other thing that caught my eye just uh, just quickly before we uh, we break. Well, I want to leave time for our guest. Well, there'll be, there'll be time for him. No, no, you know how in the fixture list when the match is postponed, it will sometimes say match postponed weather or yeah. match postponed international call-ups or sometimes match postponed other when they just don't want to get into it. A lot of the COVID has been covered by other. Yeah. But match postponed other had a new meaning this week as a, a whole non-league programme in the south of England was called off because of fuel shortages because yeah. players couldn't get to team buses and team buses <laughs> couldn't get to away matches. And never mind the fans as well, you know. Yeah. But we're assured, aren't we, by Grant Shapps, that there's plenty of petrol in the country. The problem is just having enough lorry drivers to deliver it all yeah. because so many have left following Brexit or packed in because of COVID. But there's plenty, apparently. So the shortages are all because of panic buying, mm-hmm. like the, the, the two lanes of queuing traffic that completely blocked Streatham High Road the other day. So match postponed panic buying yep, is yep, what yep. they could have written. And it's, it's, a nice, is, it's, a, it's a new one. It's a nice it? coda also to the Gaza's uh, refuelling problems <laughs> before the 1998 World well, Cup. Yeah. But, and, uh, you know, I think it's perhaps as well that the matches were off because there'd be no toilet paper in the bogs because that's the first thing that that's goes, the first thing that goes. The first thing and goes. can we just say actually on the subject of postponements Roger Hunt sadly died this week and Roger Hunt was a member of the pools panel for many many years him and Gordon Banks used to go up to the Wirral sit in a hotel and wait for games to be called off and yeah. if they weren't they'd have the lunch and go home and also and you know they often say don't they when football is passing he's just the sort of guy we need right now and Roger Hunt was because he was a lorry driver so oh, you yeah, know, he could true. he could be I delivering petrol that. even then and he has of course the unique distinction of forming a double act with both Saint and Greavesy. 
for Liverpool. Uh, do you know what? England. That hadn't occurred to me. I'm going to think about that uh, while we have a little break. Our guest today is a pundit and former striker whose list of clubs reads like a nightmare bus journey. <laughs> Motherwell, Sunderland, Bradford, Barnsley, Walsall, West Bromwich, Wolverhampton and to top it all, Hiroshima. <laughs> he scored 162 league goals in 600 games, which when you allow for hat-tricks and doubles is one goal in four, which is pretty impressive. Of course, if you look at it the other way, it means he crossed the white line 450 times without scoring. <laughs> Famously modest and wonderful company, he's also a rather the fine wicketkeeper. It is the wonderful Donald Ralph Goodman. Are you a Donald or just a Don? I, I am a Donald. Yeah. yeah, the story there is my my father. My father was called Ralph Donald, and I'm his firstborn son. He turned it round. My I am Donald Ralph. Yeah, ah, that's, that's yeah. excellent. I think now, it was quite traditional with West Indian families back in the day. Really turning yeah turning that round your your, your name. So um, yeah, my sister's called Michelle Ralph, and no, she's right. <laughs> excellent. <laughs> Do you know? I don't know if you heard uh, Chris's story about David Wheater being made to play with the under 14s Yeah, um, but is that, is that you? You ask it, Chris, because oh, I know no, you're no, interested I, to know. Yeah, I am. Just because uh, you're the first uh, professional footballer we've been able to ask. I've, have you ever heard of anything like this? I mean, is this the sort of thing that's all Always going on behind the scenes. This sort of um, one, the interfering by the the ownership uh, over the head of the manager, and and two, the sort of the, the sort of just spiteful sort of tormenting of of a of a player, of a senior yeah. player. Yeah, I mean, I, I would when I played certainly not because managers were just that they were managers. They were in charge of literally everything, so there was no interference by chair chairman or, or board members, etc. But certainly there were fallouts between players and managers. And whilst not sending the players to play play with the under 14s, <laughs> they, they certainly may be made to train with the, the, the sort of under 16s, 18s. Yeah, yeah. Teams, you know? And they'd be so sent that, to look for a square ball. And that was, that was a thing. That's, <laughs> basically, that's when a manager wanted to get rid of you back in the day. That was his way of... Uh, rubber stamping it but, really when you so, ended up with the youth things so when you had that situation because obviously the managers as you say were in charge of everything they were in charge of signings they were in charge of you know an awful lot more than they are mm. now I always wonder if you, you know if you're going to do that to a player because basically you're, you're in a you're in a work environment you know you can just be called out by the other players what if all the other players go no that isn't fair or are they too desperate to be in the team themselves that that doesn't happen or is it about respect there must be mumblings and grumblings yeah, it's not pleasant, you know. I've seen many a friend end up training with the the youth team, but you know, if you in life, we, we we've all experienced this on different levels. There are people that you just don't get on with, aren't they? And 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 if that ever happens between a manager and a player, and it's usually, let me say, after some sort of an incident, maybe, or it might be a new manager coming in that 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 doesn't um you know doesn't fancy that player and that's his way of letting him know i mean the best uh, one i well saying but people not getting on when i played for exeter city i don't know if you mentioned that in my list of bus stops, i didn't it was but, too nice uh, a place yeah yeah um yeah uh, uh, one manager got sacked and neil McNabb came in and and remember the manchester city and spurs midfield yeah with a rather McNabb... rubbishy tash. yeah you you've got it and the, the first thing he did was he sat us all in the dressing room and told us all that none of us could lace his boots as a player. So, you know, that that's a great way to, always to a good kick yeah. off your yeah. manager. And I think he lasted about three months, if I'm not mistaken, something like that. So there are always 
there are always disagreements and falling outs. It's just yeah. people handle them in very different ways. Now, I'm sure you, you weren't still at Sunderland when Howard Wilkinson came, were you? To Sunderland, no. No, because I, I heard a great story about that, that at the first half time, because he had Steve Cottrell as his assistant who came from Stoke. And at half time, Steve Cottrell's got them in. He goes, come on, come on. You're playing today. You're playing for your reputations. You're, you're playing for your family. You're playing for your mortgages. And the players are all going, what the hell's a mortgage? For <laughs> it's just a, completely the wrong, you know, <laughs> lifting up sort of a motivational speech to come out with. But yeah, managers but- were, I mean... Obviously, managers have different approaches, don't they? I mean, I know that, like, when Lou was at Stoke, when Lou McCorrie was at Stoke, he basically, and I apologise, Lou, if I've got this wrong, he basically thought that all of the players were stupid kids and really they should just do what he said and there was, you know, he would brook no argument and it worked because, of course, if you're winning games, people will take an awful lot more, uh, won't they? But it's a dangerous game to play, would you say? Yeah, I mean, I, I I was recently at a West Bromwich Albion former players golf day and I bumped into Graham Harvey, who went to Stoke, if you recall, from West Bromwich Albion when Lou Macari was, uh, and just as if by magic, ba- based on what you, we've just been discussing, Graham Harvey didn't particularly get on well with <laughs> Lou Macari. And, um, and incidentally, Graham Harvey is now a lorry driver who is in huge demand, obviously, as yes. well. So, um, yeah. and he's... And he's Unlike most ex-footballers, he fits the profile of a of, of a lorry driver now as well. So oh, does um, he? You know, doesn't <laughs> that's um, a Yorkie. <laughs> yes, let's leave it at that, shall that's we, Chris? Yeah. So got refueling um, problems <laughs> in both ways. Exactly he might be the one that, driving yeah. the fuel. He might be the one that all, but, all the refuelers are waiting for. And now, no, he, it is. It's so good to have you on, Don, because it is. It is. It's difficult to to imagine what it's like on the inside of the dressing room and there was something I wanted to ask you about which is footballers that don't actually like playing football all that much which they do exist I know that and and many times I've spoken to people who've played for certain teams and they've gone oh he he doesn't even like it I mean is that something you came across at all in your career no no not no I mean obviously when you when you imagine I I made my debut in 1984 so and retired in 2003 so no I I, I think uh, when the money came in that might be where that sort of yeah (laughs) Yeah. so but when we were playing we first of all we loved football and you know you realized how privileged you were to play it and you earned a bit more than the 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 normal man in the street of course you did but it certainly wasn't earth-shattering money and it wasn't any kind of money that you would be able to retire on now nowadays of course you don't actually have to be very good to be a multi multi-millionaire so and I, I wonder whether or not that that attitude of not liking football it's a means to an end really for some players if they have an ability um to take advantage of it earn some money and do you think that there's that disconnect between players and that feeling of team has happened and that may not make it feel so you know you're not in it together as much you train together but then everyone goes home on their own they come in they've got their earphones and i know this is an old cliche but it must be very different mustn't it yeah it is totally different i mean obviously you're going back to the days when i was playing where Every Tuesday, we all went to the pub after training because we had Wednesday off, and I'm, I'm pretty confident that that doesn't happen now. But to say that it, <laughs> it, 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 you bonded would be um, would would be an understatement. And of course, you played cards on the bus and on the way home. One of the best things about playing for Sunderland, which was a three day camel ride from 
everywhere was the fact that you got to drink lots of beer on the bus on on the way home and <laughs> ring your missus when you pulled outside Roker Park and tell her that you were stuck in traffic in London. So, you know that 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 kind of uh, I remember those days, are, those days are long gone. I, yeah. I'm afraid. I remember the stories of Keith Birchin getting on uh, getting on the coach at Portsmouth to come back to Stoke and hanging his trousers up and sitting in his pants because he wanted to go clubbing the moment he got home. <laughs> Which is great. I'm not I also, surprised. There's also a story. I'm not going to tell you who's involved in this story of Middlesbrough around the Gareth Southgate time and Thursday they didn't train on Friday Thursday four players and Jimmy Five Bellies which might give you a clue as to one of the players <laughs> used to go around to that player's house and what they would do is they'd all get 300 quid out of the cash point apparently and then they'd have a great big bottle well with several bottles a case of wine and a box of sleeping tablets, okay? And you had to have five sleeping tablets and a pint of wine, (laughs) and the last one to fall asleep got the money in the pot. Wow. (laughs) Hey, that's That's how a player should prepare. (laughs) (laughs) That's proper hard school. That is, that is, that is, that is. It's Chris. Yeah, I was because uh, you uh, now that you've, you're uh, no longer a player, you're all, you're you're doing the job that so many people at home um, would love to be doing is uh, watching football for a living and and pontificating about it. <laughs> now, Nick and I were talking just before about how uh, whenever you you see uh, the forums or the the callers into six oh six, how they how everyone feels like they're a, they're a pundit. Everyone talks like a, a pundit. Is it a is it uh, is it a, a, a job that you enjoy? doing is it a job that you feel like you know you feel lucky to be doing 100% yeah absolutely very very privileged um obviously most players uh, certainly from my generation end up being managers or coaches um you know I was I was after the uh, most players end up being insurance men or publicans um but yeah, I mean, when when you retire, you've then got a decision to make about are you do you fancy managing or coaching? And and football was just going very very short term, very very impatient at the time I was retiring, and I recognised it, knowing that I probably the best opportunity I would have had would be maybe to start managing at League Two, or if I was lucky, maybe League One level, where false promises are made. You can have this. You sign <laughs> on the dotted line. All of a sudden, actually, we we can't do that for you. And and the ultimate thing is if you don't do well in the first sort of four to six months you you're out and if you get sacked let's say I took a league two job and I I got it didn't get the results I was after and I got sacked after six months where where do you go from there I mean you know I, I look at Teddy Sheringham who was a top 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 player went to Stevenage got sacked I thought harshly anyway um and ended up going to India for his next managerial job so that that's the 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 difficulty of managing so very quickly um I decided that if punditry was an option and at that time I wasn't certain that would be a route I'd always been told that I interviewed well and was relatively articulate for a footballer yes I will make the jokes before you you use the word relatively Um, and the word articulate (laughs) 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 um I rang Gary Newborn actually and I said Gary because he had always sort of said to me you interview well I said what do I need to do um if I want to go into the media and he said um uh, column in the local newspaper summarize for local radio if you're any good bbc radio five live will get you and if you're any good at that sky will get you and that is exactly, exactly what happens. And well, that's great. i mean i remember we were talking 
um, a, a couple of summers ago at one of uh, Nick's uh, charity cricket things when you were wicketkeeping and I was first slippering. And uh, when the Oldham takeover was very new and there was still a certain amount of optimism, I remember we sat next to one another at lunch, I was telling you about it, and the former agent, whose plan was to use all his contacts to bring in players from lower leagues around the world, build them up, sell them on, make his brother the sporting director, and you said, I remember... Oh, no, that's not going to work. <laughs> and I've had even more respect for your punditry ever since. <laughs> and by the way, on respect for punditry, Nick, I must pull you up on um, calling Ben Brereton, Ben Brereton, when it's Ben Brereton-Diaz. I mean, he's yeah, he, you, you, he will be very angry with you. Well, yes, he's, he's only recently added the Diaz on the on the end to, to for his South American uh, heritage and his scoring goals, not for fun, but uh, after a very long flight, certainly. He's probably enjoying it. He's probably enjoying he, it, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. But, but he's, he, but he's I, from I think... Stoke. <laughs> <laughs> so I just love the idea that I can say, Stoke-on-Trent's Ben Brereton-Diaz. <laughs> and in fairness, to, in fairness to Nick, you were reading that out of the Sunday Times, so the Sunday Times is the one that missed the... No, 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 they, they might have got Diaz correct. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't matter. None of that matters. Talking of managers, I was just thinking you saying that. Of course, Jimmy Greaves went to Southend, Bobby Charlton went to Preston, and the trouble with managing, being man- it seems to me the trouble with being a manager at that sort of level is it's like being a heavyweight boxer. You you can you can only fail once. You know it's it's difficult to get another go. Sol Campbell's another one who's had maybe in two or three little goes, but it's difficult. Paul Ince was another one. Yeah, it's, you see it time and time again. Whereas it seems at the very top. You could just move to another another club, and and the and the pattern, especially in, in Italy and places like that, is actually to change your manager a lot more often than you change your players, because it brings new, fresh ideas in. Yeah, I mean, I, I, and I think we all. I'm sad to say it, really, but we all accept it now, don't we? That if a manager goes on a really terrible run, that there is every likelihood that um, he will be changed, because at, at different levels, the prize is equally great. For I'll use your club, Chris Oldham, getting to the top of League Two and getting promoted to League One. That's a huge thing for Oldham. Well, it's a very far um, distant dream at the moment. <laughs> well, just at the moment, but things change very quickly. I'm I'm trying to be positive for you. Here. Yeah, yeah, good. Um, but no, you've got. To, I mean, we we've had in the news, haven't we, recently? And I've heard you speak about this on your on your podcast. Derby County and now Reading, Sheffield Wednesday last season. These are all clubs that chase the dream. Yeah. The scary thing, I think, for those three clubs is that at no point before a ball was kicked prior to any season after they'd spent all that money, did I consider any of them automatic promotion candidates, which obviously means that they haven't spent their money very, very wisely, really. So, And now they're paying the price for that. So, well, and they have to compete, don't they, with with yeah. clubs who are getting their parachute payments. Um, since it's, it's so long since they were in the Premier League, they're yeah. not getting those anymore. And so it's just not a level playing field, that whole thing. It's no, just no. such a big gamble. But you, what it is Hence a gamble. the name of your podcast, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it exactly is a gamble. I mean, I remember the days when the sainted Peter Coates, the chairman of Stoke City Football Club, was there in his first incarnation. And his idea, of, well, not just his idea, we agreed with him, his idea of, of having a real go at getting promotion was to buy um, Ian Cranston and Wayne Biggins, which is fine because they were both good players. But he didn't go, he's not buying eight or nine blinking players, you know. He had some set, some sense of proportion. And that's what's a little bit frightening, is it? It's the lack of proportion. It's balmy. Yeah, I mean, you, I mean, you guys have touched on Brentford. I, I was listening to you talking about their Moneyball system. Their recruitment has just been the most remarkable recruitment, I, I, I think, collectively, over the last four or five years that I've, that I've ever seen. It's all been a, just a roaring 
success. And it's interesting what they were doing. I don't know how Brexit impacts this or or not, is that they would look at the, the little leagues around Europe and cherry pick a club that was overachieving. And then within that club, cherry pick the best player that was overachieving within that club. Yeah. And that's how they ended up with an awful lot of Scandinavian players. At the, well, and at they've the got next. a link, haven't they, with, uh, is it yeah. Midtjylland? In Midtjylland, Denmark, yeah, yeah. So the, it's, same, it's, the same like, guy owned I, I, that. I remember going mad when Mark Warburton left uh, at, at Brentford, going, that, this is ridiculous, you know, I hope they fail and this, that and the other. And I recently, well, maybe last season or the season before when they started doing really well, I, I had to hold my hands up live on Sky Sports and say, you know what, I, I may have thrown my toys out of the pram at maybe a little bit of old school in me about recruitment and how you should do it, go watch players and so on and so forth. Um, do you think there's, say, a, there's a, a, a quality that you look for in a player that can't yeah. be assessed statistically? Yeah, I'm sure that that is also... I, th- I think the two go hand in hand, don't they, Chris, really? Mm. But their their transfer record has just been sensational over the last four or five years. It has. I mean, I just wonder, I just wonder you know, whether if you're, if you're watching a player and thinking of taking him on, whether you think of what, what other things you think of that aren't... You know, whether you think, this is this a guy who has the, you know, the charisma to dominate a game, you know, or something like that, that's not shown necessarily in, in number of passes or, or anything like that but something that where you look where it's hard to measure leadership for instance isn't it it's hard to measure that well that's a dying thing isn't it I, I, honestly i i just don't see when, when i was playing there were six seven eight vocal influences on the pitch that actually on occasion wouldn't even look at the bench would organize things if the things weren't the yeah. game wasn't going yeah. you'd organize it on the pitch but now i look at i mean i because of my Wolverhampton Wanderers links, I'll I'll I'll, I'll highlight Connor Cody as as, as a leader, an all a throwback, yeah. really. But he, he really is one of the few it, out it, there now. It, it's that phrase, Don, which has gone out of the game like so many phrases, taking a game by the scruff of the neck. Yeah. And players aren't really allowed to do that. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, most players do exactly what they're told now, don't they? It, 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 I often have people around me saying, what's he doing up there? What's he doing? And you think, well, he's been told to do it. You know? yeah. They have a game plan. Yeah, you do sometimes look at a game and think they're, they're like little chess pieces, aren't they? Yeah. You think that sometimes, where, where you used to look and think, right, who's, in, who's driving this on? Who's driving this game? Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, Bobby yeah. Robson's, uh, 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 Brian Robson's, and players like that. <laughs> Brian Robson and Roy yeah, Keane yeah. and those yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Patrick Vieira. Don, you've been a wonderful guest. Thank you so, so much. Do you have a little song for us? Preferably one about you, if you've got one. <laughs> oh, you're... Oh, mm. no, I mean, I, again, I, I think when I played, the football fan was rather less creative than they are now. <laughs> um, Super Don, you know, I think oh, just... And take Don and replace with any other one once Don's gone. Um, yeah, that... that, that oh, was, no. But I, I love the anthem. I, so the modern ones, I mean, I West Bromwich Albion have always sung The Lord, Lord's My Shepherd, which is which resonates... Um, Wolves got very creative with Nuno, didn't they? The Nuno has a dream song. Nuno has a dream to build a football team. Chinese owners and a wonder kid from Porto, and so on and so forth. So they're they're getting they're getting more creative. But the best song I loved over my career was at St Andrews, that Birmingham City anthem. Keep right on to the end In of the, the road. road. Yeah. Uh, that I used to I used to, honestly I'm not joking here. I used to be playing and for 
Wolves or West Brom at St Andrews, and I would join in and sing that song. I loved it that much. <laughs> I'm sure you could get away with that now. Did you have your hand over your mouth like that? <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, something like that, yeah. <laughs> it was a very short-lived song at Stoke, and because the players, one of them left almost immediately, which I rather like, which was Chun Shai Shai Huth Huth Abdullahi. <laughs> That's very niche, isn't it? It's very niche. <laughs> Don, you've been brilliant. I hope you'll come back one day, uh, maybe next Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much Don Goodman it's been my pleasure thank you guys thanks very much to Don Goodman and we will see you next week greatbigowl.com Sports Social Podcast Network join us today during the Jeep celebration event right now get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock residency restrictions apply take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1 Jeep is a registered trademark